You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 108th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 469th episode overall of the Assembly Call. Recorded on the evening of Thursday, January 17th, 2018, I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. So let's be frank here. This has not exactly been a week uh, rampant with daydreams about a sixth banner, because no matter which camp of IU fan you fall into, from those wearing the most crimson shaded glasses to the vocal minority of irrational nincompoops who already seem prepared to reboot and start over, there is one thing we can all agree on. The effort and focus levels we saw on Monday night were completely unacceptable. Full stop. No nuance necessary there. So I hope you'll understand why I don't feel the need to stretch our shared credulity to its breaking point by trying to convince you that anything the current team has shown us this week moved us a step closer to banner number six. I won't do it. But I do absolutely hope and expect that the way this team responds over the next week will get us right back on that track. In the meantime, let's turn our attention to the future for this week's banner moment and issue kudos to Indiana's class of 2019 signees Trace Jackson Davis and Armand Franklin each of whom made the list of nominees for the McDonald's All-American game. And while the cynical among us might scoff and remind me that over 800 players nationwide are nominees, I'll happily scoff right back and remind them that being one of 800 still puts Trace and Armand somewhere in the top 1% of all high school basketball players nationwide, so it's certainly worth congratulating them for. Trace and Armand represent the future of Indiana basketball, and from everything we've learned about them, they will likely be very good players at Indiana and outstanding representatives of our program and university. This has been a dark week for IU basketball in terms of on-court play, no question about it, but the future remains bright, and yes, the trajectory of the program does indeed remain positive, even if a ratings-mad local shock jock desperately begs you to believe otherwise. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Tim Miles of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He's the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is a world-renowned bracketologist. Bottoms looms over other bracketologists the way seven foot three Kristaps Porzingis looms over point guards. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the last week in Indiana basketball? <laughs> Man, these are. Didn't you use Sean Payton last week, right before he beat the Eagles? Now Tim Miles. I mean, if you want to find people who are beating teams that I root for, that, that is not a difficult task. So. Uh, no We're going to turn that around, though. We're going to turn that no around. There are shortage of options for you, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you know, this week has been, uh, you know, if you think about the games that, that IU has played since we last did the radio show, at least, um, it's been weird. Uh, it's probably the, the best way to say it. It's It's been 
you know, the great start at Maryland gave way to a loss that, um, you know, as Maryland continues to really surge, um, you know, makes you feel like it was a really good win that IU could have had and kind of like get away. And then, uh, but I think you can, you can reconcile that one a little bit in your mind and and take the positive away from it. You know, as you go back and, and look on the game from Monday, that that still feels pretty hard to do, even a few days removed from it. I know a lot of times we get on here and at least, you know, have the perspective of a couple of days. And, um, you know, it, it's just hard not to look back at the at the issues in that game and and the effort and and those kinds of things. Really, from the beginning, I think if you want to look at in, at injuries and and some of the things like that, where guys are playing a lot of minutes and getting worn down. Um, you would think that that would impact you more at the end of the game after, you know, the, the grind of the first, you know, 35 minutes is gone and then the energy wanes a little bit at the end. It was um, disconcerting, I guess, to, to put it mildly, how, how the team came out. That being said, I think, you know, you guys had uh, Dustin Topirak on a uh, podcast on the brink this week. And, and he, you know, one of the things he mentioned, and Archie really mentioned in the post game was that effort hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been a consistent drumbeat for the team this season in terms of uh, of an issue. So, um, hopefully, we look back on this and it, it does look like just a blip. But that's, you know, if there's anything about the week that was that's been a little bit hard to shake for me, it was it's it's really been that that energy level um, and, and that kind of the, the lack of focus at the beginning of the game that you know really really did IU in. They never were able to to truly challenge in that game. It felt like so. Um, you know, they've certainly had a lot of time to think about it, as have any of us and. Um, so hopefully that's something that motivates them to come out and play well, uh, on Saturday. Cause as we, you know, I feel like we say this every week, but the schedule, um, you know, just keeps, you know, keeps looking tougher and tougher as you go down the line and, uh, you know, for the next five on the road. So hopefully they can get off to a decent start at Purdue. And to my right, he is a columnist for the big lead and a co-host of the hangover. And due to his recent antagonizing of the IU fan base and assembly call listeners, he has recently fallen all the way to 12th in the chat mob fan vote for the upcoming assembly call all-star broadcast. Indiana fans have a reputation nationally of being ridiculous. Ryan, what do you have to rant about this week? I never said anything about the chat mob. You're putting words in my mouth. No, Dave you Morris. you dangled a little nugget of information and then pulled it away. And they're still harboring ill will about that. It, it, it wasn't anything, guys. Don't worry. Uh, the kind of thing, though, if I repeat it on here, we'd probably get sued and the show would probably go away. So, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to weigh it. Uh, what I will say is a certain <laughs> uh, ratings mad... Uh, indiana radio host who uh is by the way huge fan of this show i don't know if you know that uh he's always been a big fan of the show um went on air and basically said archie miller is horrible and all this stuff and let me just give you a rundown of dan dockich as a head coach in college basketball in 10 years at bowling green he never reached an ncaa tournament not once he went 156 and 140 uh, he went 89 and 89 in the Mac and uh, won one conference championship, it appears. Um, yeah, that's it. That's what he did at Bowling Green. His last two years, he went 22 and 39. Uh, and then he took over an Indiana team that Kelvin Sampson had gone 22 and four with. Pretty good team, yeah? Dan Dockers went three and four and uh, bowed out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So forgive me there's probably a nuanced explanation for that i'm sure 
Uh, I was going to say, look, that one was... Uh, well, looking at conventional wisdom can be applied to that scenario. Yeah, but looking at Dockage's track record, people. I'm going to go out on a limb and fully blame him for this, okay? Because it's not exactly like he was good at his job at Bowling Green. He was there 10 years and never did anything at Bowling Green except for one at... A, 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 he was first in the conference one year in ni- 1999, and he lasted until 2007. This is a guy who thinks he's a genius as far as basketball is concerned. Now, look, he was an excellent player at IU during his time. He, he had some big moments and all that, and I respect the hell out of that. But for him to talk about it like he is the czar of coaching and he knows what's right. This is a guy who wanted Steve Alford to be IU's head coach and fought hard for it, fought hard, and was a shill for Steve Alford, who was then canned by UCLA this year a year and a half later okay because he was terrible at his job so if you're gonna sit here and and rip on a head coach yet not offer any criticism of your boy Alford shut up sit down and shut up you can be critical of the team you can be critical of the coach but the way he went off on Archie Miller was unhinged and just ridiculous like it just did not come to the level of sanity that you should expect from people you listen to. So Dan Dockich, you're a, you're, you have a radio show, God bless, do whatever you want. But if you're going to wade into that territory of ripping and frankly, insulting a coach and a program, when you let your boy Alford walk free for years while he was ruining UCLA, don't expect no pushback. That was insane. That rent was legitimately insane. And I think he somebody slipped something into his water that day. I would say that if a normal person said that, but this has just become Dockage's MO and it's ridiculous and stupid. And anybody who pays attention to a word that guy says when it comes to judging coaches, he flip-flopped on Tom Cream like Tom Cream like 40 times. So really honestly, I, I nobody should pay attention to what he says. That's end rant. Okay. Agreed. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about this week. We'll go over some keys to victory in Mackey on Saturday. Then we'll explore some ways for Indiana to become more dynamic and hopefully deep on offense. We'll discuss the social media impact that irrational, unreasonable fans may not be taking into account, but should. And then we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we do that, let's talk real quick about sleep. Go to bed. Although Not yet. Don't go to bed yet until the show's over. But specifically, let's talk about how to improve your sleep, which might mean getting a mattress that is custom designed and satisfaction guaranteed specifically for you, your body, and the way you like to sleep. And our friends at Comfort Option are committed to helping you do this. If you live in Indianapolis or Bloomington, Comfort Option will literally bring their mobile mattress store to your house and design a mattress for you right there on the spot. And one of the best elements of this program has always been the incredible 3090 satisfaction guarantee. Basically, they give you 30 days to try your new mattress, and if you don't like it, they'll take the next 90 days to reconstruct it to your satisfaction. Still don't like it after that? They'll take it back and refund your money. Which sounds too good to be true, but only because no other mattress companies have ever been bold enough and confident enough to offer such a guarantee. But Comfort Option is. And the fine folks at Comfort Option, they are IU grads and IU fans just like us. They've got your back even if you live outside of Indy or Bloomington. And they do this with their Alpha mattress, which they ship direct anywhere in the U.S., cutting out the middleman and saving you money. And get this, Comfort Option recently extended their 3090 satisfaction guarantee to the Alpha mattress. So even if they ship it to you in, say, San Diego or Cincinnati, you'll still have 30 days to try it, 90 days to request a reconstruction, and your satisfaction is guaranteed or they take it back and refund your money. Boom. Over. Done. 
So go to comfortoption.com right now and either order your alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do it, use the promo code assembly to get $50 off your purchase. Again, comfortoption.com, promo code assembly for $50 off. Get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It's too important. We want you to live. Yes, we do. All right, now back to the show. Andy, let's look ahead to Saturday's big game against Purdue. Big in a number of ways. All IU-Purdue games are big, but Indiana is on a three-game losing streak. They've got another road game and then a game against Michigan staring them in the face. So, you know, this is a game, if they can find a way to win, would obviously be huge. What do you think are some of the key? Let's state right off the bat. The biggest key, the first key, is the energy, effort, and the focus have to be better. That's got to be back to even put us in the ball game. Because if we come out and sleepwalk through this game, we're going to get blown out by 30, and it's going to be ugly. I think we all expect the effort, the focus, and the energy to be much better. So what are maybe some tactical things Indiana needs to do to give themselves a chance on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Purdue's going to come in with a lot of confidence. They played uh, really well to get a win at Wisconsin and then just blew the doors off of Rutgers this week, which is not a, a huge accomplishment. But when you consider, you know, Rutgers just beaten Ohio State a week ago, uh, I think that's certainly a, a positive thing. So they they come in with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, Carson Williams or Carson Edwards uh, is definitely the guy to watch, obviously. But I also think it's another case of, you know, I'm not sure that you're going to completely shut him down at any point. So it's really more of a focus on, uh, you know, making him be inefficient and and trying to you know force guys around him to make plays. Quite honestly, a little bit of the way that the teams are defending IU of late, trying to you know knowing that Romeo and Juwan are going to probably get theirs, making it hard on them, and then you know trying to force other guys to beat you. So if you you know look at a couple guys, I think you know limiting Ryan Klein's looks from three point ranges uh, is a big one to 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 really not help off of him too much and be able to get back out a, a you know forty plus percent three point shooter. Um, you know, that's the kind of game guy goes out and knocks in a couple threes, crowd really gets into it and things like that. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of, you know, closing out on shooters and those kinds of things. He's one you, you got to be close to. Uh, and then Travion Williams has really been a, a revelation of late for them uh, inside six uh, nine guy that's, you know, really, you know, come into his own over the past, you know, three games had not played uh, a ton, but has played, you know, 20 plus minutes in the last three games. And, uh, has acquitted himself really well in all those 13 against Michigan State, nine against Wisconsin, and 16 against Rutgers. So, um, yeah, I think they've they've found a little bit of something there, and he's helped them get uh, some momentum coming in. So, you know, I think Edwards is is really the big one. They're not a team that turns the ball over a lot, um, but they do have a pretty high offensive rebounding rate, and we've seen uh, IU over these last couple games really get get victimized, uh, particularly against Maryland, but even a, a little bit at times against uh, Nebraska. So that's an area they've really got to shore up, but. Um, you know, I do think you can produce not as good defensively as they've been uh, in the past. So I do think there's some opportunities and some matchups that are would be uh, you know favorable to IU. But it'll be you know any game against Purdue at Mackey, regardless of the teams and the records and how everybody looks, is going to be a tough one. But uh, I think if they can limit, you know, find ways to limit the supporting cast and uh, again kind of treat Purdue the, a little bit the way that IU's been uh, been treated defensively of late, would be a a really good start. Yeah, and look, I think you do have to try and limit the supporting cash. You also either have to make Carson Edwards inefficient and force turnovers or just hope that he is. You know, he, He's obviously going to force some shots. You have to hope that some of those don't go, that it's maybe one of his two-for-nine games from downtown with five turnovers. Because when they've lost, he'll get his points, but he'll be inefficient getting them, and he'll turn it over. You mentioned Travion Williams. We don't know what Deron Davis's health is. 
if he's able to, if, you know, we've said this, you know, a couple weeks in a row now, but if he's able to come give you 10, 15 minutes, Williams only plays about 20 to 22 minutes a game, but he's become a really big piece of what they do offensively. So maybe if you can have Duran come play him for half of those minutes and then, you know, he doesn't shoot free throws well, maybe you throw Clifton Moore or Jake Forrester in there for a few minutes and just hack him, put him at the free throw line, you know, save some of those fouls on Juwan, give him a little bit of a rest, but Indiana's going to have to find an answer there. And then, Andy, the other thing that really jumped out when I looked at the games that Purdue has lost, and they've lost, you know, they've lost six games this year, you know, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing for Indiana, but really the way that you take advantage of Purdue defensively has been from the three-point line. They allow a lot of three-pointers. 44.6% of shots taken against Purdue this year have been threes. That's 324th in the country. And they allow a high percentage. Teams are shooting 37.3% against them, which is 303rd. And so if you look at the six losses, you know, teams went 10 of 24, 8 of 28, 13 of 26, 11 of 25, 11 of 21, 9 of 27. So overall, every team made at least eight threes, shot at least 21, and on average, they shot 41%. But you look at Indiana, Indiana has made eight threes in only six out of 17 games, and they've taken 21 or more threes in only four of 17 games. So you know, one of the things that we'll talk about in the next segment, Andy, is I think this is a game where Indiana, you know, if Justin Smith is open, he's going to need to let it fly. You know, Rob Finnessy is going to have to get back to being confident shooting that three. Hopefully Al Durham is healthy, ready to go. They're going to need him out there. I think this is a game both because of the opportunities Purdue is likely to present and what Indiana needs to do to space the floor, especially given what we saw Nebraska do to us offensively. I think Indiana might need to use the three a little bit more liberally in the offense. I don't know if it'll happen, but this seems like a game where it would really help. And maybe you miss them, and if you do, you're probably going to lose. But I feel like you give yourself the best chance to win if maybe you find yourself four, five, six more good looks and just let them fly. Thoughts? Andy? It was Andy going there? Oh. Oh, I thought we were letting Ryan talk again. This was too long to let him not not speak. So I just no, go ahead, Andy. You are my hero. Go right ahead, buddy. <laughs> that was, that was a, an odd a, statement. What a weird, what a weird comment. Yeah. Um, go ahead, buddy. Uh, yeah, I think you know it's funny because you, you call out those stats and and you you know to think that IU a, a good performance is going to hinge on three point shooting probably makes people cringe a little bit. But it's you know it's one of those where we've we've talked about this before that as a percentage. You know, I use not shooting great, but they're not shooting, you know, incredibly poor. They're ranked 130th in three point percentage in the country. So, uh, you know, certainly not not the best. But uh, so, you know, they're going to get those shots. And, you know, that's the one thing that has become abundantly clear with the way they've been defended lately. I mean, guys are going to get shots um, that are not named Romeo and Juwan. And while there are certainly times that maybe those are, are ones you can pass up, I don't think this is going to be a game where you can be, you know, too passive, but they, they've got to get some confidence because it was, you know, a little bit jarring to hear Archie even say after the game that there are guys that just don't have a lot of confidence in themselves. And I appreciate the candor for sure, but um, you, you know, and you can see some of that on the court, it matches what you see. Um, but they've got to find a way to get some of these guys, you know, back. And I think the, the, you know, things could snowball pretty quickly if they really start to go well, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, not falling behind, maybe make a couple shots early. And, um, I, you know, I don't think it would take too many shots to make make a team defend them a little bit differently. I think it's hard for college teams in particular to really have that level of focus on the game plan where they say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to pack it in off of everybody else. And the guy makes a couple of shots and that you really are, you know, that uh, you, you know you stick to it that much and really don't make adjustments at that point or don't just naturally break, break, make adjustments. 
I have one comment on this game, and I, I think this game is way more about IU fixing itself than worrying about Purdue. I really do. I think that this team just needs some kind of boost and, and, and to find some kind of boost somewhere. And whether it's three-point shooting, whether it's somebody off the bench just providing energy and just waking everybody up or what, I don't know what it is, but this team just needs something to get it out of its funk because they're in a funk right now. And that, you know, the way they showed up on Monday tells you that. And I don't know if it's the injuries. I don't know if guys are tired. I don't know what it is, but they're just dragging right now. And they need something, some kind of good news to wake them up. And if they do, if they can get that, I think they can beat Purdue because I think Purdue is a decent team. I don't think they're a great team. And, and I think they've got a great player in Carson Edwards. But other than that, I, I'm, nothing really scares me except for, as Andy mentioned, is Ryan Klein standing out at the three-point line unguarded. That's really it. And uh, so I would say that Indiana really just needs something to wake it up and fo- refocus it. And I think they'll be fine. Uh, but this is a game also I think Jawan Morgan's going to need to go big in. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we try to figure out some ways for Indiana to find more scoring outside of Romeo and Juwan. What are the numbers at Synergy? Tell us about Indiana's catch and shoot ability, some other strengths of other players that maybe we haven't talked about. We're going to talk about all of that next. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. As esteemed chat mobber Chad once put it, hearing the stuff in between, you get to know you guys a lot better. Like the time Ryan tried to convince us that he's actually T.Y. Hilton in a hoodie. I really wish I would have been at the NFL Combine because I think I could have clocked like a four or five. Hmm. Really? Join us live at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're talking IU basketball as we do every week. Uh, and Andy, let me kind of kick this over to you because uh, the, the idea for this segment came from you, an email that you sent earlier this week. You know, I think we're all kind of trying to figure out answers offensively, especially in the wake of that Nebraska game. Um, and, and so you kind of suggested that we do some. So why don't you kind of explain it and then we'll get into some numbers. All right. So my questions to you, there were really, really two questions, although one is, you know, kind of a subset of the other. But, you know, we talked so much on the show after the Nebraska game and and really throughout the season of, you know, supporting cast, who can be a third scorer, all those kinds of things. And and we talked about how Nebraska was really sagging off of guys and just, you know, basically daring people not named Juwan and Romeo to make shots. And so my initial question was just around, you know, are there guys who are really doing well in catch and shoot situations? I mean, if defenses are going to pack it in the way that uh, the way that Nebraska did, are there opportunities for IU to, you know, relocate guys on the perimeter, find guys they can kick out to and make shots? And then the second question was was a bit more general, but really trying to figure out again how do you solve the third scorer type question? And it was really, you know, what what areas do guys other than Juwan and Romeo really excel, and what? could or should IU do to help get those guys going and provide a little bit of support. So um, just really trying to see, you know, where the the sweet spot is for some of these guys to try to figure out, is there really something offensively that they can do that they can change to take advantage of the things that people are doing well? And we've talked, you know, I think I I mentioned this in my email to you, you know, we've talked so many times through the years about guys, do do they know what they're doing when they're playing well? um, And are the coaches putting, 
players in a position to succeed. So it felt like a good way to do that. Now, the downside of this question is that the answer might be, I don't know that there's anything that we can do with some of these guys, which I don't think the answer is. You've put together some numbers. So I'm hoping that that the answer to the second question isn't just a large empty space, but uh, that is the potential downside of, of asking a question like this, that you might get an answer that you don't want to hear. So, okay. So let's give Ryan a pop quiz here. Who do you think is the best on Indiana's roster in catch and shoot situations in terms of percentage? Just off the top um, of your head. I would tell you not to look at the notes, but you never do anyway. So. I, I see. I think my gut would tell me like Evan Fitzer, but I'm going to go with Jawan because I know he's hit a bunch of catch and shoot. Jawan, in fact, by far, uh, and we're talking about effective field goal percentage here, which obviously weights three point three pointers higher. Uh, he is uh, 17 for 34 overall, and his effective field goal percentage is 75 percent because most of the most of the catch and shoot opportunities are three pointers. So you've got Jawan first at 75. I would, I would, and I would, I would guess Al Durham would be second because he gets that corner three a lot. Yep, Al Durham this- is second. This is the part where Ryan pretends that he's not reading from the notes, but he actually I'm not actually yeah, yeah. I asked really on top to of it, things. I asked you to put it in the chat and I haven't even opened it yet. So <laughs> we have no way to prove you wrong, but I I, I, just I strongly I strongly disagree. But anyway, continue. Uh, now next is Zach McRoberts, but he's only taken seven. Uh, yeah. but last year in twenty seven attempts, uh, he was ten of twenty seven, effective field goal percentage fifty five point six. This year he is three for seven. So I mean his percentage is good. You just shoot gotta shoot it, Zach. The ball. Shoot the ball. Yes. Yeah. We I we speak on behalf of all IU fans, Zach. Shoot the ball. So next you've got Rob Finnessy, fifty eight point seven percent, Justin Smith, fifty five point six, but only nine attempts. Evan Fitzner, 55% in 20 attempts. I went back and looked at him last year at St. Mary's in 42 attempts. It was 57.1%. So percentage-wise, he's essentially right at where he's been. The problem is all the production came in two games, and his confidence has been so shot since. So, you know, all numbers need context to mean anything. Uh, And then you've got the guys kind of bringing up the rear here. You've got Devontae Green, uh, 40.4%. Contrasted with Devontae Green off the dribble, uh, he's 7 of 26 on catch and shoot, 11 of 24 off the dribble, and a lot of those uh, 11 are three-pointers. So he's actually been pretty effective off the dribble. Uh, Demisi in limited attempts, 15 uh, is 4 for 15. And the worst on the team is Romeo, who in 30 catch and shoot uh, attempts is 8 for 30, 38.3%. So, you know, you look at that, and I think a lot of people would say, Juwan, you know, Al has obviously been the most consistent to me, what really stands out here are a couple of things, Andy. Number one, McRoberts needs to shoot more. Like, if he's going to be on the court, he has to at least shoot. Number one, because he's pretty good at it. And number two, he's got to at least be a threat so people respect it. And I think the same is true for Justin Smith. I think he's going to, you know, he is a decent enough shooter that if he's wide open, he should shoot the ball because he can make a decent percentage. And if nothing else, people are going to respect it. And then I think, you know, you've got a guy like Rob Finnessy who percentage-wise has been pretty good, but he just hasn't really looked at the basket much his last two games. And he's a guy who, before the injury, was really emerging as a scorer. And I think, you know, who knows how long it'll take him to get back on that track and get comfortable, but he's another guy in those catch-and-shoot opportunities that can be really lethal, you know, for a guy like Juwan passing out of the post. So what else do those numbers tell you? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you you look at those, and I, I will remind everyone those percentages that you said were effective field goal percentages. So again, giving extra weight for three pointers. So, in case anybody didn't catch that the first time, and they don't think that how is this team not winning because everybody's percentages sounds like they should be on the Golden State Warriors, um, just wanted to wanted to call that out again. But 
I, I think what's what's interesting is, I mean, you look, it's just not a lot of opportunities given given the you know kind of magnetism that that Romeo and Juwan have on offenses. You would think that there's a lot of these shots to go around, and if you look at individual guys, you know, Al's the only guy with over 26 um, that yeah. isn't you know that's not. And, and even if you think about that, I mean, Al's got 30 of those. Now, he's missed some games. I, I can't keep track anymore of who's missed what games and when. But that's really only like two shots a game um, in catch-and-shoot situation. I mean, we're 17 games in uh, to the season. And and so I think that's that's one thing where it's it's pretty evenly distributed, where you've got a lot of guys in that 20 to 30 shot range. Um, so I, I do think it's interesting. Al would have been a guy that I would have expected to be there because he has made some of those kinds of shots. And I do think Finnessy... Um, could be that guy. He's gotten a lot of credit for the big ones that he's made, but I think there've been some other, uh, you know, cases. He does a good job of you know kind of relocating while other guys have the ball. He did that against Nebraska. I think ended up missing the shot, but um, you know, I think he does a good job of finding open space and creating uh, an opening for himself to to get shots. And, and it Justin, like, it felt like ahead. that Finnessy's confidence was going up too before the injury. Totally, yeah. it, it really yeah. felt like he was getting better and better. And when people talk about well, who's going to be a shooter for this team in the future or whatever, I feel like Finnessy is a guy that we'll be able to rely on from three. Maybe he may not be a 42% guy, but I feel like he's somebody we'll be able to re- rely on. Sorry to jump in. No, you're fine. You're not sorry either, but that's fine. Not um, at all. <laughs> even though I'm your hero or whatever you said earlier. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think when you look down, I mean, it's not a team completely devoid of guys who, you know, so again, as I kind of, you know, be careful what you ask because you might not like the answer. I mean, this this doesn't tell me that there are guys who can't make the kinds of shots that Romeo and Juwan are going to open up. I think it's uh, a matter of confidence in a lot of cases and guys being able to, you know, consistently step in and and take and make those shots. So um, yeah, I think Justin Smith, you know, he had that great game in Minnesota. He had a lot, he had a few of those kinds of shots last year. He's shown that he can do that. It's just not on a consistent basis. So somebody could do that consistently. I think the the groundwork is there based on what you see. It's just a matter of, of seeing it a little bit more. And I don't, pin this entirely on the players. I do think that from a coaching perspective, I think some guys have green lights and some guys don't. And I think, you know, at some point to open up the offense and to maybe give guys confidence, you might need to push guys a little bit to shoot it and make them feel empowered to take and miss some shots. So, you know, we focused a lot on the players here, but I do think, you know, whatever changes that we are suggesting, some of that's going to have to come from the coaches, either in a suggestive way or in a forced way. Like, if you don't shoot it when you're open, we're going to take you out because we have got to have some more shooting for the, for the spacing. So I want to talk about something with Romeo real quick because he has not been a guy who's very good in catch-and-shoot situations. I promise you he's going to get a lot more of them <laughs> coming up because teams are just going to back yep. off of him. So he's going to get them. He's got to take them. I think the shot has been a little bit better of late. It wasn't against Nebraska, but hopefully that was a one-game blip and his shooting gets better. But I did find these two numbers interesting because, you know, the thing with Romeo, with the ball in his hands, he's very dynamic. When he's not, when he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't move a whole lot. He's not doing a whole lot offensively. When he does cut, on 22 possessions, when he's been a cutter and received the ball and then finished the possession, either with a, a, an attempt at the, a field goal attempt or a turnover, 22 possessions, 1.727 points per possession. That is outstanding. And that's something that I think, you know, I know you don't want him necessarily cutting if you've got Juwan Morgan on the block and you don't want him clogging the lane. But if he can maybe find some more opportunities to quickly, you know, to quickly cut, find some spots like that, he's been really good at it because that gets him on the move in the paint where he's been very effective. Especially because guys are going to overplay him coming to get the ball right. on top. 
that leaves a lot of room for backdoor cuts. Exactly. And then on offensive rebounds, he has 13 offensive rebounds. On putbacks, he's at 1.46 points per possession. And that does tend to be a higher, you know, efficiency play. But, you know, if he can get in there and get some more rebounds too, you know, we're looking for how does Indiana get an extra four to six points per game? You know, kind of looking at the margins. And I think these are some of the areas that stand out. So, Andy, to your second question real quick, you know, for the supporting cast, what do they do best offensively? And let me just run, you know, down a few things here. Some of this is review from what we've talked about before. But Devontae, his best thing is in the pick and roll. In 42 possessions, 0.976 points per possession. That's in the 80, 86th percentile nationally. That's good. You know, Al, we talked about his spot-up shooting. That's really been the one thing that he's done well. Last year, he was better at driving to the basket. You know, so maybe you do that a little bit more when Romeo's out. You know, you're probably not going to have Al doing a whole lot of driving to the basket when Romeo and Juwan are in. I get that. You know, from Justin's perspective, he's been really good in transition, really good on offensive rebounds, okay as a cutter. You know, I think he needs to continue to keep it simple. But when he's wide open, take that shot. And then, you know, Finnessy, the other thing, the other thing he's done well is spot up shooting. So when you actually look at the other players to answer your question, what do they do well? What's the highest point per possession play? For a lot of the guys, it's their spot up shooting. So, you know, I think this gets us back to the main point, which is that I understand that Archie wants this team to attack the paint and be a team that uses the three point shot judiciously, but maybe it, instead of doing it 19, 20, 21 times a game, you work that up to 25, 26, 27 times a game with guys who have at least shown they can make it because it's been a higher efficiency shot and for what it will do for the floor spacing. Yeah, I think even with with what you said on the attempt numbers, I'm not sure what they average. I know you you kind of walked through that and had some of that in your, your numbers for Purdue. But, I mean, a game like the Nebraska game, they only shot 14. And I think, I think Galen's brought this up on Crimson Cast or, or somewhere that, you know, the way yes. basketball is played now, I just don't know that you can, you know, turn away from it. And I think a lot of the inclination is to say, well, they just don't have guys who can make these shots. And some of these numbers would suggest they do. Now, again, who knows how much that happens as you go forward and um, can they keep up the percentages they've shot so far? We don't know. They're all still, you know, despite being 17 games in pretty small sample sizes, but I think you've got to figure that, figure out how to get get those guys to, um, you know, to to give them some opportunities, build up some confidence, stress the defense, and and space the floor a little bit better. And you know, this would at least seem to suggest that you've got some guys who are capable uh, of doing that. And I think the point you made about Romeo was a good one as well in terms of cutting. I mean, he is, you know, like I said, I mean, he when he moves, the whole defense reacts. So even if he's, you know, a decoy in some of these scenarios, which I would not recommend doing a ton, but can't stand on the wing and, and do different things like that has to be able to be a guy who, who forces the defense to shift. And that's just going to open up opportunities for others. And I think as you look at some of these catch and shoot things, you know, there's some subtle things that guys need to do in, in terms of, you know, kind of relocating as the dribbler goes to kind of get in behind their man and get in a good position where they can get an open shot. So, it, you know, what, what those catch and shoot numbers don't necessarily say is, you know, how open are they? Where are they at? We you know what's the, I think synergy has some of the stuff with closely guarded, um, you know, closely guarded numbers, but again, a small sample size gets even smaller in that case. But how much we can actually they... shoot better on guarded shots than unguarded, for whatever I, it's worth. I small don't sample know. size. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, but I think you you look at some of those, and and can guys make subtle movements and move without the ball to to find space to get open to get shots that they've shown some ability to make. So I I feel a little bit better having uh, having had those numbers as as you saw, and I think interestingly the Devonte stuff where 
being the ball handler to pick and roll and the shooting well off the dribble probably go hand in hand a little bit. I think it's just where he's he's more comfortable. I think the the problem with that in some ways is, you know, it under underscores some of the things that are challenging with having him really try to play the point guard, uh, you know, be a true point guard uh, as you look at it that way. Yeah. And look, I've said in the past, I'm probably someone thinking like, well, Jared's kind of a hypocrite. He said that he agrees with Archie's strategy a lot this season. And I did for a while. It seemed to fit this personnel and it was working. But I think now that we've gotten into Big Ten play against better defenses, we've seen how teams are really going to scout and defend Indiana. I am coming more to the side of people like Galen and others who have said that this team needs to, you know, be a little bit more willing to take some three pointers. I think the you know, the numbers and the eye test, I think, are, are showing that. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, they have to be flexible as, uh, as fans and analysts sometimes. And hopefully, you know, who are we to, you know, give advice to a, a college basketball coach? I'm sure he knows these things as well as we do. But from our vantage point, that's one thing that might help Indiana's offensive efficiency. And if we can squeeze three, four, five more points out, you know, and the defense gets back to, to playing at a very good level, then I think that's going to be enough for Indiana to win its fair share of Big Ten games moving forward. All right, coming up, let's talk about social media and how we should all conduct ourselves on social media. And I'm especially talking to the irrational and unreasonable fringe because they may not be considering this unintended consequence of their insanity. We'll explore next on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter. You will get our weekly IU News Roundups, as well as our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every IU game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All right, so back to talking IU basketball. And Ryan, I want to talk a little bit about social media etiquette. And before I kind of present what I want to present and give people another reason, you know, fans, another reason why they might want to consider how they're acting on social media, let me just say that, first of all, you shouldn't need another reason. Just do the right thing. Treat people decently. You know, don't say something on social media that you wouldn't say to someone's face. So, you know, to a certain extent, I feel like, you know, this is kind of a ridiculous segment to have. You know, you should just be supportive, do the right thing. But we know, and we have certainly seen it in the aftermath of the Nebraska game, that not all people do that. And that doesn't mean that you can't be critical. Don't get me wrong. We do that. You can be critical. You can critique actions, decisions, but keep it to the action and the decision. Don't make it personal and don't get unhinged. Don't be irrational. But if you do happen to need another reason to do this, Monday or Tuesday morning after the Nebraska loss, this tweet came out from India Franklin, who is Armand Franklin's mother. She said, working on growing thicker skin for next year with a bunch of emojis, like the shrug shoulders emoji, the eyeball emoji, and then a funny little cat gif where the cat like put its hand over its face. And then in the replies to that was Sarita Brooks, Keon Brooks' mother, saying, yes, they're showing no mercy. And then Miss Franklin saying, no mercy at all. And the point that I want to make with this, Ryan, is not that I don't think recruits parents are necessarily making a decision based on this, but they are seeing it. So 
to all the IU fans out there who think that they have the best interest of the program in mind by coming unhinged after a loss because no excuses and blah, 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 and standards and all this stuff, just remember that you being completely irrational and angry and all of the other things that we see, recruits, their parents, players, coaches, families are seeing this stuff. So maybe just think about that before you hit send the next time on a crazy tweet. Yeah, I mean, a disrespectful fan base that goes after players and says things like, I mean, early in the year, we heard about players on this team, uh, and we heard it some last year. It was like, oh, you should have a scholarship revoked and all this stuff. They're paying attention. Like, these kids on this team see those things. They all read message boards. They all are on social media. They all look at this stuff. You think that these kids' parents don't search their names after games or don't search what people from Indiana fan base are doing? What about kids who haven't made a decision? You think they want to send their kids into a, a situation where they're going to be attacked constantly if they have a bad game? They don't want that. And and people, there are people out there who say, oh, it's ridiculous. They don't pay attention to this stuff. You're wrong. I know firsthand you're wrong from people. Uh, they absolutely pay attention to that stuff. And by the way, if they like a coach, you think they're going to want to hear that in his second year, he should be fired because of a game in early January. They don't want to hear that. They want, if, if they're committing to a coach, they want a coach who's going to be there for four years. And I told the story on Banner Monday, but the, um, but you know, Greg Oden for a long time really wanted to go to IU, but, and he really liked Mike Davis. He didn't go to IU because Mike Davis had no support at IU. And people didn't like Mike Davis, and he was afraid that he was going to commit to Mike Davis, and then Mike Davis was going to be gone. And, and so if you think that this kind of stuff doesn't impact players, you always hear people say, you know what, uh, pick a school for a school, don't pick a school for the coaches or the basketball program or anything. That's insane. Because, yeah, you should pick the school you think is going to give you the best education, but you know those personal relationships with the coaches and other players and all that stuff is part of the decision. It's human nature to be part of the decision. So for anyone out there who says this is ridiculous, they don't pay attention, they don't care, you're wrong. You're 100% wrong. And I do know for a fact it's something that people consider because they don't want to have everybody has a bad night, has a bad game, whatever. They don't want to you know, feel threatened or feel uh, like they're being attacked for playing a bad game of basketball. Uh, so put this in perspective, people. It's a game. We do this. This is our livelihood, you know, part of our livelihood. We have fun with it and and we love this show. But you'll never see us attack a player online. You'll never I, I can critique a player if he makes a bad play, but I'm not going to say he's horrible and and attack him personally and all of that stuff. You can critique plays, of course, and you can critique coaches. But if you come unhinged, people are watching and people are paying attention and it does matter. And if you don't think it does, you'd have no idea what you're talking about. Because it does. Yeah. So and, and, I would just say, as Jared said, don't say something you wouldn't say to that person's face. And honestly, quite frankly, don't say something that's not going to get you punched in the face if you say it to somebody in person. And this isn't to say that, you know, the players and their families are delicate little snowflakes and they're in the corner and they and they can't handle this stuff. No. Like these people are tough. And we know because I've talked with parents. We've, you know, we talked with Yogi's mom a lot. And she could absolutely handle criticism of Yogi's play and, in fact, be one of the first people to criticize Yogi's play. But when it got beyond that, now you're talking about now it's going to the next level. And so, so look, the whole point yeah, it's here... It's not about critiquing certain plays or any of that. It's the overarching, this dude shouldn't even be on the team. Or, yes. This guy should... 
you know, he should be gone. They should force him to transfer. They should, you know, Archie should be fired. It's only, it's, it's almost two years and this team isn't where it needs to be yet. Like, are you insane? Like, just stop. I realize we're all upset. They lost to Nebraska and it was a bad showing, but bad nights happen. It's a game folks. It's a game. We love it. And it's part of our lives and it's important to us, but it's a game. Relax. That's all. If it's not, and we've said this a million times on here, if it's not bringing you joy and you're not having fun watching it, you're doing it wrong and you should probably leave it behind because it's going to cause you to die a few years early if it's really just causing you heartburn. Like, just let it go because this is supposed to be fun and entertaining and it's supposed to be a great opportunity for these kids. And and that's really where the focus should be. Yeah, we all want to win. We all want to win. It's great when you win. But when you lose, put it in perspective. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and look, we've talked about this before, so I don't want to belabor it. You know, Andy, if you want to come in and say anything, I just wanted to bring up kind of this new angle so that, again, if any of you need a, like a selfish IU-centric reason to not hit send, just know that the recruit that you're all hoping comes, his mom is reading all of these crazy tweets and taking notice of them. Not saying it's going to change the decision, but just know that it's being read and ingested and somewhere in there having some kind of an impact so and one last thing if you ever type out a tweet and you have a second in your mind where you think should i send this the answer is don't (laughs) every single time it's the same as with an email or something like that like is this a good idea if you think that then no it is not a good idea hang up shut your computer down you're done or just sit on it until the morning you can always send it in the morning if you rethink it and think it's okay but just maybe you know cool it for a minute yeah take a breath yeah andy I know you get a lot of hate on social media with your bracket projections. Uh, not, not too bad. I've, I've befriended a handful of fan bases over the, over the course of time. I mean, uh, yeah, the bracketology <laughs> stuff is kind of funny because somebody else was another person who does it was, you know, tweeted something else about it this week where it's like people do that. Like people who do bracketology do it for fun. Most, if not all are not getting much, if any money about it. And it's like everybody, you know, you're just trying to project what other people are doing and people are so angry at you. Like you hate their team. Like, I don't, I, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do well in a contest and get it right as to who, who actually makes it. So, but you do hate Syracuse and actively try and suppress their seating. Uh, I've, I've gotten, you know, over the, over the course of time, I've gotten a lot of uh, interviews with Syracuse people as a result of their um, perpetual estate of being on the bubble. So I can't really, you know, those all seem like fine people. So that's uh, now I, yeah, I, I just think, and it's something that I, I think is difficult as you look back over how, how you viewed fandom and things like that as you were, you know, as we were younger, we were all a lot more, you know, quick to fire off something like that and to say things. And, and I think life at a certain point gives you a perspective that Ryan said, you know, it is just a game. It's um, you know, it's just not, it's just not worth getting, that upset about and and as we've said many times oftentimes doing the show kind of lets you process for us it helps us you know kind of process our emotions get our thoughts out and then move on from it and i think you know whatever you need to do to be able to kind of process your emotions of the game is is fine i can't say what's what's best for everybody but i do think it, you know as you think about some of those things it, it definitely just keeping it all in perspective as to you know who this is that we're talking about and and what they're um, going through and the likelihood that they don't know that they made a mistake or didn't, you know, didn't play well. It's, you know, it's kind of like Christmas vacation where Clark drives the the car under the, uh, under the thing of the logs. 
uh, Clark, we're under a truck. Do you honestly think I don't know that? It's kind of the same, <laughs> kind of the same concept. I think they they know uh, when things are going that. well and not well. I gotta watch that movie again. Oh my that was, god, that was good stuff, Andy. Good stuff. So yeah, be decent, be rational, or be reasonable, or just don't be on social media at all. All right, uh, coming up in our final segment, we're going to answer your questions with whatever time we have left, including what we need to see on Saturday to feel good about IU's performance and which currently struggling Hoosier most needs to get himself going. We will discuss that's next. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i am jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips and guys let's jump right into the questions here we've got a short final segment uh ryan this question comes from josiah a four-game losing streak is never fun neither is losing to purdue but if we do lose on saturday what signs do you need to see from archie and the players in order to feel okay about the loss is it even possible to feel okay about a loss yeah, I mean, look, you're never okay with the loss. I'm not in the moral victory uh, group, but the group of people who believes in them. I, I but I, I do think there's ways you can take positives from a loss. Uh, not the overall positive of feeling great about it, but you can see positive developments in a loss and build on them. Certainly, um, I think that. And and I guess it would be like the Arkansas game where you feel bad that you lost, but you realize there are reasons why that were kind of out of IU's control and there were certain things about it that felt decent. Um, what I would say, I think for this one is a, they got to get the rebounding under control. Uh, B uh, they are willing to pull the trigger on some more threes. And what I would really want is just a, a team that's engaged for 40 minutes and, and is, it doesn't suffer any of these huge lapses we've seen because when this team plays its best, it can beat anybody on its schedule. Legit maybe other than Duke, it could beat every team on its schedule if it's engaged for 40 minutes. And and I, I just think that that's the biggest uh, problem right now. So I just want to see a team that plays hard for 40 minutes, plays engaged, plays smart, and, and plays the way it's capable of. And we haven't seen that much this year. At a minimum, that could get the worst of the taste of Monday night out of our Exactly. Minds. And you can build, again, you can build on that. Say like, okay, we lost on the road against a tough team. But there were a lot of positives here. And so I think that that's what you're what you're really going to be looking for. Yep. All right, Andy, this is from Bill. Who is the most important bench player and currently underperforming starter to help IU turn the season around offensively? Kind of harkens back to segment two. Yeah, I mean, I think um, so. Oh, so it's two different questions. So bench performer and and under and underperforming starter um, for the, the starter. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go with Rob Finnessy, although he wasn't starting the last game, but um, I, I do think him getting back to the form that he was starting to show uh, before he got the concussion, I think is going to be really important. Gives the team a little bit more stability at the point guard and allows Devante to play uh, in my eyes in a, in a way that is going to allow him to be more successful. Um, and bench player, I, you know, I, I'm going to take the, uh, well, I, the easy one is probably McRoberts. Is that who you're saying is the easy one? Nope. Clifton Moore? Nope. Deron Davis? Nope. We're running out of bench players. It's Evan Fitzner. He needs to shoot. That's the whole reason we brought him. 
onto the team. He needs to stretch the floor. Evan Fitzner is the biggest uh, underperforming bench guy he, because the one thing he could do, like if he was terrible on defense, at least you'd be getting him in and he could spread the floor for you and it would open things up on offense. Right now he's offering nothing and he is the biggest underperformer on the team. And maybe it's not his fault. Maybe he just is not fit for this role, whatever. But that's a guy who we've seen what he can do when he's on and he's not doing it. That's my answer. I think it's, I think th- I thought that was an open and shut case. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but th- I thought that was an open and shut case. Boom, over, done. There you go. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I, the, the reason I brought up the other two were more because energy and getting some putbacks give you, you know, if he can get a couple putbacks, easy baskets each game, I think that helps. And again, we're trying to find four points a game, uh, as we said earlier. Yep. All righty. Well, that is going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you ever want to see us do the show live, join us. And the chat mob. At assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Saturday for the IU Purdue postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.